Welcome to a season of transformation. We're, we're doing a, a series on transformation. I hope as you walk in today, it's a very special season for us as a church. If you're brand new today and you just walked in, you're like, oh, they sound like they're in this. No, it's not too late. We actually have transformed journals that you can pick up. We're doing this series together and the shipment came in. If, you, if you've been waiting, you're like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Come on, do this, do this. Because I don't know if you can feel it or not, but for the first time in a while, as a church, we're all doing the exact same Devo every single morning together. So God has got this chance to speak to all of us in the same way every single day. It's a 50-day journey that we're all committing to. And this is this week, as we get into week number three here, week one, we're setting goals for the transformation we want to see. We want transformation in all kinds of areas. We started with spiritual transformation is what we felt like God wanted to just lay that foundation. And this week, as you can tell from the video, we're talking about physical transformation. And God wants to transform us in every single way. Incredible story with my brother Troy and how that happened and the, the pictures that I've got on my phone from that day. And God does this in people's lives. And so we're, as a church, if you can start to feel the momentum of him changing you in your life, it's a very real thing. One of the other tools that we want to use is we think getting in the word and memorizing his word is a big key in this. And so in the seats in front of you, we made it real easy, a little memory verse card. If you're like me, it works really great, especially if you have readers, okay? And grab that, put it somewhere on the fridge, and all of us as a church, we're gonna be memorizing this verse. It's a verse about what God wants to do in our lives in this 50-day journey that we're taking together. And, uh, you know, really, we're kind of using some famous stories from the Bible, because I think it's is God does a work in your life of transformation in some areas. There are some of those stories where you know pieces of it. I think God's really going to build on that. We talked about the prodigal son last week, one of the most clear stories that Jesus tells about what his father's like when we have spiritual transformation. This week, we're going to be looking at the physical, and we're going to look through the lens of what God's word has to say. Do you know that it says in Proverbs 14.30 that peace of mind makes the body healthy. That a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. That's what another translation says. Proverbs 14, 30, a relaxed attitude lengthens like the physicality of your life. There's this connection that happens and this emphasis that I want for us to take today, specifically as we gather here and online. Hello, online community. I want to welcome. I hope you've got your journal out right now. If you're at home and you're ready to take notes, we're going to look at stress specifically. And we're doing this very intentionally because there is a connection. Stress at its core in your life is a threat. If it's, if it's a, 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 a fake threat, but it feels real, or it's a very real physical threat, stress, the implications of it on your life are real no matter what. A third of the people sitting in this room, statistics will tell us, a third of the people sitting in this room deal with extreme stress. That means, like, might have been difficult for you to even make it here today. Maybe you're just an Alabama fan. I don't know. Is it too soon? <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. I was thinking last night, this is the sermon. God's got, this is your time for this message. Don't, don't turn it off. Stay in here, man. Come on. Third of us, there, there's 77% 
of people, as, as they do polls about stress, 77% of people say stress is impacting their physical being. This is a big deal. 73% says it impacts their mental health. Like the, the physicality of stress on their body starts to impact their mental health. And get this, half of us, half of people surveyed say, I don't sleep well. I've got serious problems with sleep because of stress. It is impacting our physicalness, the physicality of our lives. Stress is has a negative impact. There are actually seven specific areas that I just want you to kind of process through when it comes to stress. Seven stressors that are in your life, and maybe you've not identified them as such, but I think you'll get the idea. The first is this, the worry. There is more to worry about, it seems like, every single day. There's not just identity theft. There's not just all the things that you've got to worry about when you leave the house. I'm like, do I have my wallet? Do I have my phone? Do I have my keys? Do I have like all this stuff that you've got to remember to have with you all the time? Now, I, I found out you can even lose the title to your home. They don't steal your home. You live in your home and these commercials just give me more and more stress. I'm like, that's another thing to be stressed about. It's, a, it's another thing. Here's, here's another stressor. The hurry. The hurry of life, increasing pace, a faster world, and everywhere we go, we're speeding. And speed creates stress in our lives. This third one I identify with, you probably will as well. The crowd is a stressor. Scientists will tell us that we can only keep up with a certain amount. You can only have a real relationship, like authentic no, with somewhere around 35 to 50 people. I know you're like, I have 5,000 friends on Facebook. No, you don't. <laughs> Some of those people blocked you so long ago. They just did it that way where you don't know they blocked you, right? You're not in their feed, man. You can't keep up with that many people in a real way. It cannot happen. And crowds equal stress. Here's, here's one. This one gets me all the time. The stress of choice. We have so much choice in our life that is stressing some of us out. When I grew up, we had one kind of cereal, shredded wheat. That's it. I didn't, my, my mom didn't tell me there was a cereal aisle. Like when I turned 18, I was like, are you kidding me? We just had like, it wasn't like the little squares of shredded wheat with frosting on. No, it was the block, right? <laughs> like we had like eight pounds, you know, like one block of a shredded wheat, right? What about getting coffee? When I was a kid growing up, you would order coffee like this. Could I have a coffee? And they knew what you meant. Now it sounds something like, could I get a grande ice sugar-free vanilla latte with soy milk? Which is pretty much hot chocolate. Let's, let's, if you're drinking that, that's, that's the grown-up version of hot chocolate, right? Choice is stressing us out. Here's one. This is a big one. Conflict. Conflict is stressing us out. Everywhere we go, people are... Because of this medium of being able to talk to one another without seeing one another face to face, here's what we are. All of us, we're more bold, but we're specifically more rude as we're bold, okay? We're, we're demanding, we're impolite, we, we have conflict. The civility of our lives that we used to all look at is somewhat evaporating and there's increasing conflict. Here's another one that is on me, globalization, the stressor of globalization, like your data is the new frontier. Everyone knows everything. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but most of you did a setting for our church kind of like directory. When I was a kid, we'd get dressed up once a year. 
and we'd go to the church and Olin Mills would be there and they would take my family's picture, right? I think we wore, they scheduled us last because we wore that guy out, right? When the Scots were done, he's like, I, I quit. I'm not doing any more pictures today, right? And so we would get, and we would go through and you see everyone that went to the church. We have that today. It's just Facebook does it for free. It's great. So there's a lot of stress. You're not supposed to know what happened in Portland last night let alone be worried about it. That's a long way away. It's a stress in your life. Here's a big one. It's, it's the last one I'd have you kind of just think about. Future. Future. Like, what's going to happen? What if, what if, what if, what if this happens? What if and some of us are freaked out and stressed out about the future, and it is having an impact on our physicality. Now, we are going to walk through a whole lot of more holistic things in the book this week and with our verse about our bodies and trying to move the gauge on God transforming all of us in our physicality. But I believe our corporate time together this week, God wants us to think about the stress that's in our lives. And maybe you walked in here and you're like, you were not stressed. And I read that list and you're like, I'm stressed now, man, bro. I thought I was good. It's like, I'm gonna check out of this message. I'm good, I'm good. Like now you're stressed out, right? Man, if I could tell you there's six verses, one section of scripture that can take all seven of those stress areas and just start to reduce them. I mean, like cut the knees of stress out of your life. I think you would tune in. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. And he makes me lay down in lush green meadows and he leads me beside calm. Quiet waters. He restores my soul. And he guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Matter of fact, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's, I mean, there's just something about reading that right now. I just, I feel the whole room just go, ah. Maybe you're at home online. And you just gotta, you just kind of set back in the chair a little bit. You got even more comfortable, Right? This picture of a shepherd, it is the most kind of like lived in metaphor of all of God's people. The Jews, like this is the metaphor. This is the story. This is how they describe their lives and explain their lives. And everything is about the shepherd and they understand that. And it is this thing that kind of travels with them. The number one metaphor, I would say, in all Judaism, it is this right here. I believe that Jesus steps into this and Jesus says, I want to talk about that and give some commentary. Jesus talks about coming under the shepherdship of the father. Very specifically in the book of Matthew, he talks about it as taking on a yoke. It's it's really old language. We don't, we're not not a very farming agricultural society anymore. There might be a few farmers in the building. Thank you for what you do. But the rest of us probably, and you don't even, you might not even know what a yoke is, right? Uh, It was a very important invention 
and for early man that helped galvanize the energy of two like ox or horses that would want to go different ways. But if you can get them joined together, then they'll go in one direction. Jesus says, you need to come and be joined together with me. I've got a picture of an old yoke here. Uh, kind of looks like this. There's a, there, you know, it's, Kind of just a yoke. I got another one of like a yoke in action. Here's a yoke in action. Okay, so it keeps those two animals together. One animal is brought with the other one and their energy together is greater than the sum of their equal, their, their separate parts and they're moving and you can keep them going in a straight path and that yoke brings you together under the authority and they're submitted to that yoke and they're living in that yoke. And I wanted to build one so that you could really kind of get into this because I think Jesus uses it to talk about Psalm 23. And uh, boys, could you come out here? So I got the Scott, two, two of the Scott boys. Are you guys, can you come out here? It was a cue. There you go, you hit it. All right, welcome them to the stage, everybody. They love this. Hey, can we get it a little bit like this? Can you do that without making a little bit more like this? Kind of get up here in my grill a little bit more, just a little bit more. Finley, you a little bit more this way. Like, yeah, this way. Okay, right, right, right. So can you show them the yoke that we made this week? I had two, two of the kids help me make this because I found out that wood costs as much as, like wood costs as much as gold right now, okay? And uh, actually when we got done, my 12-year-old, Mariel, he, he wanted me to note for you that the Nerf guns aren't exactly historically accurate. And I looked at him and I said, is that the only commentary you have on this for them? He's like, yeah, that'll cover it. So I want to thank you for that addition, Mariel. Uh, guys, can you kind of show us how this would work? Not that you're like, you know, two cows or heifers or anything, but go ahead and stick your, stick your heads in there and give everyone. So look at this. Look at the togetherness, right? Hey, one day you grow up and you become preachers and you make your kids do stuff, right? Because your mother and I are enjoying this right now. All right, get out of here. Give it up for them. They showed you how it works. You get it. You get it. Jesus, Jesus uses this prop in a message and he, he's calling people to come out of stress and into this yokeness where we're joined with him. And it's all living in the metaphor of what's happening here. And I believe that there are seven spiritual habits that will completely destroy stress that you have right now in your life. The first is this. Look to God to meet all of your needs. Look to God to meet all of your needs. Some of you, I know you, if you're at home, you've got your journal with you and you're taking, there's an actual page in there for the sermon notes. And if you don't pull, you pull your phones out. A lot of us are digital only and you're doing it all on your phone. That's okay. But I think there's some of this stuff that you really need to dive in on. The first is look to God to meet all your needs. And it corresponds with the first kind of stressor, worry. Of all the things, if this was all you walked out of here with today, your life would be very different. There is so much packed into this. He begins, Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I am yoked with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going to explain this to you in a new way. You're coming into submission with me. It's awesome. And because of that, I have all I need. This is the first step to reduce stress. It is actually worship. It's worship. Uh, get this, hard work, planning, self-motivation, positive mental attitude, other people, your kid's success, the way your spouse completes you and your financial security is not your shepherd, cannot be your shepherd because if any of those fill in the blank things are your shepherd, if your personal kind of 
Psalm 23 reads, the way my wife is everything I want her to be is my shepherd. Here's what's going to happen in your life. If the way my kids succeed in a certain thing or the, the way my 401k le looks, that is my shepherd. Any of those things is going to lead you to ultimate disappointment. You're going to be disappointed. Some of us have yoked ourselves. We've come into partnership and submission to something that is a shepherd that is not as good as the Lord. Isaiah 30, 15 describes it so beautiful. It says this in Isaiah 30, 15, the sovereign Lord says, only in returning to me and waiting for me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence, that is your strength. All of the other things that we could say, that's my shepherd. I'm yoked with that. That's what I'm counting on. They're going to let you down. Romans 8.32 describes it even in the light of what God did with his son. Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything that we need? I mean, David writes this as a young man. And I think David, at the very beginning of this most incredible psalm for all people, all time, to know how to reduce stress, he says this, I worry about nothing, man. Who says that? Hey, how are you doing today? Worried about nothing. <laughs> all right, all right. What do, you, what, what do you do for a living, sir? I kill bears. That's what David did. He's like, well, unless it's a lion day, then I kill lions. Well, one time I was a giant. But besides that, I worry about nothing. This kid should have some stress in his life, right? Should have some PTSD. Some of the things he went through. Here's the second thing. Obey God's instructions about rest. Obey God's instructions in your life about rest. Some of you are like, man, I wanted stuff to reduce stress that I wanted to do, Right? This is what God has for us. It's so clear. Exodus 34, 21 talks about the hurry. That was the second category that we read that gives you stress. And some of you are like, oh, I'm stressed because of that. Listen to Exodus 34, 21. Six days are set aside for work. But every seventh day, you must rest completely. Even during your seasons of plowing and harvest, you must observe a Sabbath day of rest. Do you know that God made beings that don't sleep? I mean, he knows how to do this. He wasn't like, well, we just hit a wall. You know, we got to recharge the batteries every, you know, 10 hours or so. We can't figure out that it's, it's lithium or something. I don't know. We got to get a better battery. God figured out there are beings that surround the throne that are flying. They have wings and they're, they're, they're described in the book of Revelation and they never ever stop praising the name of Jesus. They don't sleep. God could have made you to where you don't sleep. Some of you are thinking that would have been convenient, man. You've done the math. You know that a third of your life is sleeping. Some of you would say, wasted. David didn't like it either. I love his language. David admitted that he didn't want to. He says in Psalm 23 too, God makes me lie down. God had to make me lie down. If you're at home, I want to challenge you to write this down. If you feel like I don't want to take notes, get into this. I think God's doing something as we not only listen, but as we journal and write. I, I, this is like confession time. I believe some of us need to write this down. 
Write, write this down. My frame can't keep up. My physical frame can't keep up. You got to rest your body. God put a governor in there. He intentionally put a governor in there to where we have to stop and say, I need you to work on that day because I can't physically do it, God. Here's the next thing. I got three things I think we need to write down right here. Next thing is this. My spirit can't keep up. My spirit, like my frame can't keep up, but also my spirit can't keep up. You need God to work for you while you rest. And acknowledging that is us saying, God, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. I need you to be my shepherd. I want to be yoked with you, Jesus, and you can do more than I can. Here's the third thing. I know this is true. Mama got all transparent up here during announcement time, right? My emotions can't keep up. My emotions can't keep up. My physical frame can't keep up. My spirit can't keep up. My emotions can't keep up. And I might be able to do it for a while, but we all know what happens. I'll have to start to medicate somehow. I will. And have you ever actually caught up? I'm looking for the day I was like, man, completely caught up. The very next question I would have for myself is like, at what price? Like, what price did I pay for that catch-up? And God has clearly communicated guardrails. And I want to just say this straight up. He will not bless cheating. And when we don't observe this thing that David says about hurry and that we need to rest, we're cheating God of what he wants for us. And when we say, I feel guilty resting. Anyone ever say that? I just feel guilty resting. Can I interpret that for you? I don't trust God. That's what I feel guilty resting means. He can't do it. He screwed everything up. I've got to work all seven days to fix the, God's mess. And Jesus rested. We got to rest. And it's right here in this uh, second part of this verse. Obey God's instruction about rest. Here's the third thing. We got to recharge our souls with beauty. I need to recharge my soul with beauty. This is this kind of goes with that third stressor. We were looking at those stressors. The third stressor is the noise and the crowd and all of the stuff. God has got this specific instruction. Of, you've heard it. You've probably memorized it. Hear it with new ears. Psalm 23, two through three, the first part of three. He makes me lie down in, qualification, lush, green meadows. And he leads me beside calm, quiet, waters. And he's restoring my soul in that process. I read this this week. I've read it many times. And I'm like, God like went all Bob Ross on us right here, right? You guys knew who Bob Ross is? This is Bob Ross. No, go back. Bob Ross. He, Bob Ross the painter. You know, I remember watching him on public access television when I was a kid. And he was like, we're going to put some happy little yellow bushes over here. And, and he would talk really quiet. And I'm like, five-year-old Johnny's just leaning in. I got my one block of shredded wheat. I'm like, <laughs> the water is dancing. Look at the water. I'm gonna make the water dance. That's what God's doing here. I mean, think about God's got all of this instruction in the Bible. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I'm gonna pull you in with lush. I mean, did he have to write lush? Lush, green meadows and calm, quiet water. There's all of this description. Get this, your your soul craves beauty. Do you know that? Your soul craves it. Beauty chills you out. 
When you're stressed, beauty has got this chill factor in it. Philippians 4.8, I want to read to you from the message version. Sometimes I like to go to different translations to see like what the original author in the original language, which I don't speak very well, right? Help me out. Here's what the message version says from Philippians. Paul's writing. He says, you, you'll do your best by filling your mind and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. We recharge with beauty. Ugliness stresses you out. Beauty inspires, encourages, motivates, stirs up positive emotions. You were made to live in a garden. You were made to build, experience, flourish. And here's like, this is report card time. Some of you aren't doing it. And you're, why am I stressed out? Because the truth is, some of you, your adventure spirit, you know, you feel like you're a little bit old. But if you could, truly, if you were 18 years old today and had a little less responsibility, you would probably go and do something like this skydiving picture right here. Look at this. this, I heard the moans. Someone over here was like, oh, no, I would not. No, so you don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. If you're like, you're like, I, w- I want to, because you yearn for it. There's a part of your soul that wants beauty and creativity and to fly like an eagle and you, you've pondered it your whole life. And if you were guaranteed that nothing bad would happen, you're like, okay, I'll do it. I tell you, there's nothing I couldn't get into. There's beauty in so many places. I could, Civil War reenactment, sign me up. Sign me up. I mean, I'm a total geek. I could get into anything. How about this? Trains. I just Googled train geek. Sorry, if, some of, if someone's related to this guy, it's like, that's my uncle, Ted. <laughs> and he's a really good guy. I bet he is. I could be this guy's apprentice. I could show up for two hours every Saturday and just be like, gonna put a tree here and gonna, I could totally, because I'm, I'm compelled to beauty. We have these things like, how about this? When you hear the first lyric of a song and you're just like, oh. I love it. There, and I'm, I'm, I'm like a, kind of like, I love the first lines of certain songs when they're just right. How about, some people live their dreams. Some people close their eyes. Some people's destiny passes by. Toto, Toto, that song. I think it's in my top five of like the first, as soon as that line comes on, I'm like, oh, stop, everyone stop what you're doing. Put your hand over your heart. Just have a moment. Because I'm, I'm called into the beauty of it. You know, I'm really excited that uh, Pastor Rick Warren has written this journal for us. And, and he, he's got some notes this week that he pointed this out. And I've read this before. That art and music are two of the greatest arguments against evolution. I mean, the fact that you're called, right now in this room, we're all like, we're called, you're feeling, I can feel the energy rise. If you're at home, maybe you're like, yeah, I am called this. Art and music are the greatest arguments against evolution. Why? Because they're totally unnecessary for technical human survival. You don't have to have it. if, If the whole survivor of the fittest really works, then why do we need music? Because we were made by a creator that has called us to what he is. Beautiful. You gotta recharge your soul with beauty. Here's the next part. It corresponds with the fourth stressor. Remember the fourth stressor, if you're taking notes, is choice. Too much choice. 
And here's what we need. We've got to go to God for guidance. We've got to go to God for guidance. It says in Psalm 23, 3, he guides me in the right paths for his namesake. He guides me in the right paths. Just a question for us to think about in the the deepest part of our hearts today. Is there a chance that God has slipped away from or never been in your life, your number one source for guidance? And you're like, oh, we should do that. And this person said it. And this pundit said this. And I called my mom. I called my brother and my uncle Larry and whatever, you know. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should, I should pray too. And it's so backwards that we should pray first. James 1.5, this is the brother of Jesus. James says it this way. If anyone needs, lacks wisdom, just ask God. And God gives to all men liberally and doesn't condemn them or criticize him. You know what I love about this? He puts it on himself. David knows the the spirit. I I picture David doing this and he's under a tree and he's got this relationship with God with a young man. The spirit of God is speaking to David. And David tells us right here, he guides me in the right path. Why? Because I deserve it. He guides me in the right path because I did all the homework. No, it's for his namesake that when you're yoked with Jesus and you're like, I want you to shepherd my life and you get saddled up with him and you're under submission and you're with Jesus that he says, hey, you're mine now. You've got my name and I'm going to do this so that everyone in your life knows that I'm a good guidance counselor. It's for his namesake. Here's the next part. We got to trust God in dark valleys. We got to trust God in dark valleys. This would, you know, if you're kind of going along, this would be, you know, the, the next stressor, this globalization one. Even then, the, the pressures of the whole world and all of that. Psalm 23, 4, he says this. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And our words, Jesus' brother James says, they trap us, they snare us, they catch us. And we need to start getting caught by some good words. Maybe you need to write down, I trust God in dark valleys. And you just need to start thinking about that and praying upon that and saying, well, like, what valley am I in? How are you doing? Fear and grief, they come at us. Like, there is an absolute loss that happens in this world. On the way in, I'm just greeting people that are coming in today and texting people that have experienced loss. Right now in this room, some of you are identifying loss. And you know what? Grief is, grief is not a bad thing. Grief is a good thing. Like we need to lean into grief. Some of you have not processed and you've not been grieving. And because of the stress is literally killing you. You're getting diseases and outbreaks and skin rashes and things because you're not just grieving and you got to let it out. Grief is okay. You know what's not okay is fear. Coach Gatz, ninth grade football. He'd say, man, there's only two emotions in life. Every emotion can be brought down to two. Love or fear. One is awesome. The other one is from the enemy. And perfect love casts out all fear. And some of us have been sitting in fear. David writes in Psalm 142, he says, when I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. When you're yoked with Jesus and you can't go on, 
he'll pull you. He'll pull you. And you've got stress in your life and you want to give up. And this is happening. Man, have you stopped walking? Has God been nudging you with his rod and staff, but you've been rebuffing that comfort. You've been ignoring light and you're setting in fear. See, if there's a shadow in your life, wherever there's shadows, there's light. Jesus is that light and he's calling us to the shepherding relationship and he's explaining it through a yoke where you get tied up with him and he's like, I'm gonna show you the straight path. I'm gonna show you how to go. Here's second to last one. And David starts to escalate them because he knows how we are. They get harder. I think this is the most difficult one for a lot of us. We got to let God be our defender. Let God be your defender. You need to write it down for you. Let God be my defender. And this is that stressor of conflict. Psalm 23, 5, he says it, this beautiful language. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Conflict, opposition, criticism, attacks, people that just don't like you. And you ask them why they don't like you. And they're like, I don't have a reason. And that makes me not like you even more. You got this in your life. You're not, you're not like, a conflict. I don't know what he's talking about. I was tracking with him until conflict. Uh, he's lost me. Never had conflict. My uh, sixth grade son didn't go to school on Wednesday because... He uh, had like a 24-hour bug and we kept him home and we were around the house on Wednesday. And uh, he went to school on Thursday and got in the truck after school. And he's like, there was a fight at my school. And I I don't know about, I've not checked local news. I'm not checked on the details. But he said, 17 kids were taken into custody. I'm like, that sounds like an episode of Cobra Kai, bro. (laughs) Like what, what is going on? I'm like, I'm so glad you weren't at school yesterday. Like, then we're, I'm like, do you know any of them? Is everything okay? Are you having conflict? Is everything all right? Do you know how to make a decision? And the, the conversation with the 12-year-old is a conversation with the grown adult, the grown grandparent. It's the same thing. We have two decisions. We have a decision to forgive people who are aggress- aggressive towards us and let the father be our defender, or we've got the decision to jump in the fight and stand up for ourselves. This is a big decision. One will heal your body physically. The other one will kill you. It'll kill you. I mean, think about David who wrote this. We're only given two dates in David's life. We know when he was made king and we know when when he died so we can figure out his age. So we know that he's a very young man when he's anointed. Teens. God comes and sends his prophet and says, you are the king. Now look at the timeline of David's life. This is the guy who says, let God be your defender. How about some less stress in your life? Let God defend you. David, he's anointed king and then he defeats Goliath and everyone's like, Saul has killed his thousands and you've killed 10,000s. Pretty pretty cool little, you know, roll call from the, the fans. Then he's got to go and play music in the palace to make Saul, the king, who's not really the king, feel better. Then he runs from Saul for what could be about 15 years. And at no point in time does he say, I'm sick of this. God made me the king and I'm kicking you out. David has all the authority to stand up and say this. 
You've got stress in your life because you're fighting every battle, everywhere, all the time. And that's why your, your physical being is tired because your frame can't handle it. He writes in Psalm 18, how I love you. You're my defender, you're my protector, you're my strong fortress. In you I'm safe. You protect me like a shield. Just for a moment before we, we close. Do you feel that peace? I mean, do you feel the stress level in David's life that's just way lower than ours? I mean, Jesus was attacked and he showed humility and we're yoked with him. And this kind of yoking is gonna destroy stress in your life. Some of us are running into every fight everywhere and it's killing us. Here's the end. Here's the end. Expect God to finish what he starts. I mean, expect God to finish what he starts. I love the ending of this. Psalm ends with this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's like happily ever after. And right now in this room, I feel it well up. Some of us are like, man, I tried that before and it didn't work. Okay, moment of honesty. Some of us said, I'm going to let you be my shepherd, Jesus. And I'm going to get yoked up with you. But if we're honest, at some point we walked away from that submission and that relationship. And we're telling other people and we're lying to ourselves saying it doesn't work. And what happened was we walked away from the yoke ship. I want to end with this scripture. Hey guys, you can come out and start playing. The parking lot's going to be a mess. You got to get this. We're closing. You got to get this. I want to give you the exact words from Jesus in the moment when he's teaching about this. Jesus says this, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary, can I just put in there? Stressed. All of you who are stressed, come on, come over here. Anyone carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hear about it. You're going to learn from me. Some of us took the yoke on in our lives and we said, I don't want to learn though. No, 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 no. Take the yoke on Jesus says, and learn from me for I am gentle and I'm humble in my heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Right now in this moment, the spirit of the living God just said, that's for you. That's what I'm offering you. That's what you need. That's what you've been denying. That's my rod and staff that you've been pushing away. That's the stress I'm talking about that I want to physically take from you. Jesus says, I'm going to give you rest for your soul, but you got to put the yoke on. you got to come into community with me. Here's the end of it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, I don't feel like there's all these rules I got to do and now I probably got to serve in kids or something. Come on, I know how this ends. It ends with joy. It ends with peace in your life. It ends with you being able to say the things that David says. I want nothing. You know what comes before that? The Lord is my shepherd. What's your shepherd?
Some of you are serving a shepherd that's going to destroy you. And Jesus says, this is easy and it's light. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm humble and I'm going to be kind to you. Maybe you're saying right now, I'm sick and tired of the pace I'm living, but I'm just not sure about that. Will you do this? Will you just come on a 50-day journey? You've only missed seven days. You can catch up real quick. Okay? You can catch up before the Chiefs lose today. Um, shots fired. I see you, sister. Maybe you're saying, I can't sustain what I'm currently doing. Jesus is telling you this. I'm going to be kind, and it's easier and lighter than anything you're carrying. Jesus, would you come into our lives, and would you take stress away? Would you change us? Would we take on your shepherding? And would you take all the stress out of our lives and let us just be your kids? We know that we got to learn from you, but give us the boldness and by the power of the Holy Spirit that is real, that is active, that is in many of us in this room. May Spirit, may you be hovering over this room and maybe you may you touch the hearts of some people that didn't want to be on a 50-day journey. And would you call them close to you? It's in your name we pray, church. Amen.